This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Fit20, a revolutionary 20-minute fitness concept disrupting the industry. For more information about how you can become a part of this exciting network, head over to fit20.com. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you valuable insight from the industry's most knowledgeable experts. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. What we find is that businesses need to be prepared for any and all types of disruption because by their nature, they can happen unexpectedly. Preparedness is everything because it's not if, but when the next disruption is going to happen. And as a business, the most valuable thing that they can have is quickly accessible information so that they can respond quickly and confidently to avoid or minimize any adverse impact on growth or on the operations. If the past year has shown us anything, it's that planning for the unknown can be invaluable. The businesses built for the long term are those that understand why the day-to-day is just as crucial as looking five or even ten years down the road. But how exactly do you go about readying your business for the future? And, perhaps more timely, how can you prepare so that even something like a global pandemic doesn't unsteady your trajectory? To answer these questions and many more, we're joined today by Rochelle Clark, founder of Succession Strength and Continuity Strength. Rochelle has worked with numerous organisations to prepare them for the future, and her team's bespoke action plans leave no stone unturned. So to hear more about how you can last for the long term, make sure to stay tuned. So what succession planning is, as as many might know, it's essentially passing a leadership role from an outgoing leader to an incoming leader. But that's the basic. Those are the basics. What it also encompasses is preparing that outgoing leader to make that next step, preparing an incoming person to be successful in their new role, and preparing the organization to absorb the change without necessarily having an impact on the organization's performance. So it really is everything wrapped up into one. It's more than putting butts in empty seats. Right, okay. And um, obviously a lot of things with regards to the future of a business, things like marketing and you know, uh, franchising, specifically recruitment, are all key. Um, why would you say that succession planning is one of those real main pillars that um, businesses need to focus on for, for ongoing long-term growth? Karen, you know, it really is important because anything can happen. Anything can happen at any point in time to key leaders of the business. So it really is important for there to be backup so that there are folks who are knowledgeable of how to take care of this business to take it to that next level. Um, This is why it really is crucial for the continuation of a business's operations. Right. Okay. And um, I know that succession as a term, people maybe commonly associate with uh, family run businesses, which can obviously be within franchising or an individual unit may be passed down through generations. Um, But I was curious whether you um, at Succession Strength specifically work with family run enterprises or whether um, any kind of operation can be eligible. It doesn't necessarily need to have that uh, familial connection. We work with all types of businesses, family run and non-family run businesses. The difference is is that for family-run businesses, what we find is that there may be some instances 
illnesses where we do have to have some special intervention just because of the nature of, of a family-run business. And we are equipped to work with families on the what 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 we can term the emotional aspect of running a business, which in some cases may be a huge stumbling block when we're coming to speak about a succession. So the transition planning that we do really is for everyone. And it's whether we're preparing for a leader to pass from one generation of, of, of leadership to a next within the organization, or one generation of leadership or ownership to another owner that is outside of the organization. So in the work that we do, we're preparing for leadership transitions internally or externally. Right. Okay. And when you talk about dealing with those challenges, hurdles, roadblocks, however people may know them, um, I know that there's the statistic that one in two businesses, half of all businesses um, will be hit by what's known as one of the five Ds. So you've got death, disability, divorce, um, distress and disagreements. Um, I was curious, Rochelle, whether there was any of those that you find more common with the kind of clients you interact with um, or whether businesses kind of need to be prepared for any and all of them and any kind of eventuality. Yeah, that's a really good question as well. And um, what we find is that businesses need to be prepared for any and all types of disruption because by their nature, they can happen unexpectedly. You know, and when it comes to dealing with situations like these, the five Ds that you mentioned, preparedness is everything because it's not if, but when the next disruption is going to happen. And as a business, the most valuable thing that they can have is quickly accessible information so that they can respond quickly and confidently to avoid or minimize any adverse impact on growth or on the operations. So really it's about being prepared for anything. You know, before last year, I'm sure that if you asked someone how many businesses they knew experienced a pandemic, you'd be hard-pressed to get a positive response. Mm. But if you asked how many businesses they knew, if you asked someone how many businesses they knew suffered because of one of those five Ds that we mentioned earlier, an unexpected death, disability, divorce, disagreement, or distress, I'm sure that you'd be bombarded with stories and hands raised because they would have been experiences that they would have either experienced or heard of for themselves. And we find that smaller businesses like franchises are disproportionately vulnerable to these disruptions um, just because their, their employee base, right, and their ability to respond is not as strong as bigger corporations, you know, and it's for this reason that we say it's just better for businesses to be ready for anything um, that may come. The pandemic, by the way, would have fallen under the D of distress. Right. Okay. I was curious as to which of those it would come under. Um, I suppose, yeah, it's interesting. Like the pandemic itself seems like a once in a lifetime kind of uh, occurrence. But then when you view it as just yet another kind of disruption uh, or one of the five Ds rather, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense that it's just another thing businesses need to deal with. Um, and if we talk a little more about succession strengths kind of process um, in when you're working with a new client, um, what are some of the first things that you do to begin that succession plan uh, with either a family-run business or another kind of enterprise? Are there sort of some key steps that you take in that opening phase? So the first, the first thing that we do with any organization that comes across our door is we assess the organization's goals. We try to understand what it is that they're trying to achieve. Are they really trying to be in existence for the very long term? Or is this um, 
I'd hate to say it, but more or less a lifestyle business right. where the owner says, you know what, I'm okay if, if you know, once, once I'm gone, the business closes and it's just to provide for my immediate needs. Based on the results of that, that really defines the process that we take. Okay. If it is that they're looking to be in existence for the long term, we assess the current organization. That's the outgoing leaders and the incoming successors to determine whether they have the capability and commitment to achieve those goals. And it's really important that we look at both capability and commitment because in many cases, folks will focus on capability, but the kicker may end up being the lack of commitment that really sinks the ship at the end of the day. Yeah, I imagine it's, you know, you could have the best employee in the world, but if they're planning on leaving a year from now, you've got just as many problems that you had in the first place. Precisely, precisely. Um, and uh, I imagine, you know, it's quite a, a almost bespoke case by case basis with the kind of clients you work with. But if we could talk in general uh, generalities, um, are there any sort of common aspects of long term business development that you think that clients overlook? Would you say that that, you know, dedication to the business is maybe one or are there other things that you've seen across all the kind of brands and, uh, and organizations that you've worked with, Rochelle? Absolutely, Karen. And, and I'll delve a little bit more into the capability that I just mentioned right? It's very, very common for businesses to, to look at capability rather when it comes to succession planning. Of course, this is a major component to succession planning, but it's more than understanding whether a successor has the skills that they would require to execute and to perform well. We don't stop there. What we do is we peel back the onion a little bit more and we look at the, the the commitment of that person. Because as I mentioned before, this is more than just replacement planning. Yeah. In replacement planning, it's just putting a butt in an empty seat. But with succession planning, it really is understanding, okay, does this person, is this person in it for the long run, right? First of all, yes. Are they capable of performing? And second of all, do they have that commitment? Are the right elements in place within the individual and within the organization to help that person integrate smoothly into their new role and to maintain a high level of motivation so that they can thrive? Um, and, you know, this is this is critical because what you find is just as you mentioned, Karen, um, we've had situations. And if I want to if, if we want to speak about the family business scenario for just a few seconds, hmm. We've had a few scenarios where it was almost listed as a foregone conclusion that, well, you know, one of the, um, one of the, whether the son or the daughter was going to take over the business, right? Without necessarily ensuring that that person is interested in that role. Right. Right. So without that initial alignment, what we have found is that the succession plans existed more or less in the heads of the current owners. And they basically had no bearing on the reality of the situation, which is why we say, okay, have a look at that person's commitment. Are they really in it to take over this business? Do they feel passionate about it? Or are there competing priorities in their lives? Right. Right. Are they looking to go back to school, perhaps? Are they looking to start their own business, perhaps? Um, you know, what is their health situation like? You know, if it's a non-family situation, you know, do they have the support of their own family members when it comes to this business? Because in many cases, taking over the leadership of a business requires quite a bit of um, a time commitment, 
So unless that person who's stepping into that new role has the um, support that they need from their own network of close love of close loved ones, this may be a strain on their own family life, and this may put a wrench in the spokes of them performing at their very best. You know, so if it is that you have someone tapped to be a successor, and they're coming in, uh, perhaps they just have a young family. Does that family have the support to run without them in the instances when they may need to step away to focus on the business? So we really get into the nuances of the elements that can have an impact on a person's commitment when it comes to performing at a high level that's required for these businesses to succeed. And uh, presumably that kind of um, problem of having an assumed successor when the successor themselves may not even be involved or invested in the business, uh, you don't really run into that as much with non-family businesses or is there still that issue sometimes? There is still that issue sometimes. Um, um, but what we find is that a lot of it is in the professional services realm. Right. Okay. So in organizations where there is a, a partnership, um, a partnership agreement, what we find is that many, you know, for example, law firms or accounting firms, et cetera, what you would find is that traditionally it was a badge of honor for successors to become partner. Yeah. You know, this was the crowning achievement. But what we're finding now, Kieran, is that, gener and this is a huge generational difference, what we're finding now is that many of the outgoing leaders, many of those partners who have become um, baby boomers and beyond, a lot of them are holding on longer to their positions um, and they're not retiring, quote unquote, on time. <laughs> right. But what we're finding is that many of the successors who are, you know, Gen X or millennials, a lot of them are opting out of the partnership role. Right. So what you're finding is that there's a gulf, right? A huge gulf when it comes to those organizations' succession plans. Because the next generation that they were hoping and expecting to take over and assuming would take over are opting out. And they're kind of saying, you know what? I'm all about work-life balance now. This is great, but keep your partnership track. I know what it entails and you know, it's, it's just not for me. Mm. So when we speak to organizations about um, retirees, one thing that we say is don't let the age of a person dictate whether or not you think they may be a retiree. Because to be quite honest, anyone who leaves the business, whether it's an outgoing leader or a successor whom you're preparing to lead, anyone who leaves that business, they can have an equal impact or an equivalent impact on the success of that business long-term or on the success of a succession plan. So, for example, if you had someone who was tapped to be a partner who left early, well, think about it. What is the impact on the business? And is it really a very different impact than a retiree with that um, experience who also leaves the business? And in many cases, the, the response is, well, no, because we still are going to need to find someone to take over this role. So what we say is ensure that that commitment is there. Because this can be the thing that that really unravels a whole plan, and and it does not come down to age. You don't. It's not linear, so it's not only in. Um, it's not only a a baby boomer or or a retiree who may have a devastating impact on a business's succession. It may be, let's say, the the millennial um, 
down the corridor who's been, you know, knocking on your door for his promotion for, for many, many years. And now he's just got, as you know, you've taken the time to train him. And now all of a sudden he ups and says, you know what, actually I'm going to go someplace else, or I'm going to, you know, start up my own gig because the gig economy is getting very big when it comes to, um, younger generations. So we are definitely seeing a generational shift when it comes to attitudes to um, long-term commitment within a business or within a firm. So it, it really behooves owners to have to take a flexible approach when it comes to their succession planning. Right, yeah, that really, I suppose, drives home the the point about how commitment is, you know, just as crucial as capability, um, because without, you know, without one or the other, it can all fall apart. Um, I was curious about the the kind of timeline of um, in when a business may enlist your services, Rochelle. Is there sort of, do you sometimes work with businesses in uh, their infancy, in their very early stages, when they're really looking ahead down the line, or is it primarily those more established kind of enterprises? Both. And I say this because, you know, once a business has aspirations of being in existence for the long run, right, they should have a plan in place. But a plan is nothing if A, it's not documented and B, it's not executed, right? So they may bring us in many years ahead of time to say, you know what, we need to have a plan that's documented. And we say, okay, well, this is your plan. Let's get together and let's put one in place. The next step is that they may need help executing a plan. I can't tell you, Karen, how many times we have had businesses that have said, oh, yes, of course we have a succession plan. We put one in place 10 years ago. But they took no action on this plan until one or two years before the leader wanted to retire. Well, in that case, in many cases like that, what we find is that it's just not sufficient time for a successor to be prepared to take over. Sure. Right. And it's not sufficient time for the organization to absorb a change of that magnitude. You know, so we have to remember that the heavy lifting here is around actually preparing the individuals and the organization for the change. And the timeline for that really varies. It depends on a number of factors the size of the business, the stage and maturity of the business, the existence and readiness of successors, and the organization's commitment to getting it done. There have been some organizations who have come in without a succession plan and maybe in about five years or so, because they've been committed, they've been able to really get one in place and ensure that that business is smoothly moved from one generation to the next. Not all businesses may be as lucky, right? There are characteristics, as I've mentioned, that make something like that possible. So really, it's about having a documented plan as soon as possible and then B, ensuring that you are executing um, on that plan. And um, I think we've kind of touched upon the subject already, but um, are there any sort of particular, uh, again, sort of in a more general way, um, traits or just things that uh, business leaders should look for when identifying their potential successor? Would you say that that commitment and capability are, you know, the two big pillars or are there things beyond that that really stand out as a, a good successor? Yes, commitment and capability for sure. And what we find is that many, many ambitious <laughs> and ambitious um, leaders or successors can be molded into great leaders, right. right? But in order for a business leader to seriously consider a candidate for that successor role, they should ask themselves the following questions about that particular potential successor. One, is that person interested in the role? particularly if it's a family business situation, mm. right? So are they interested and not 
do I think they're interested? No, 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 no. Have the conversation. Yeah. Joe or Suzanne, are you interested in this role? Because let me tell you, having that open alignment conversation can very, very quickly get you to understand whether or not this is a potential successor. If they're not, you can move on to someone else. Yeah. All right. So that's the first question. Are they interested in this role? And have you asked? Um, the second question, have they demonstrated that they can be trainable? Right. And the third is, is there anything now that would prevent them from being committed to this role? Whether it's family obligations, other personal interests, it, it may be, you know, a mental health situation. They may be just burnt out and they may need some time off, um, you know, or other health or another health situation. So those are the three. The three questions, are they interested? Are they trainable? And is there anything else that may pre prevent them from being committed? Right. And that sounds like as well that those three questions should be asked specifically in that order, because if they answer no to the first one, as you say, that's kind of the end of that process, really. You know, there's no need to continue with that. Absolutely. And you can move on to someone else. And in many cases, if it's a family owned business scenario, then if there's no one available within the family, they can then start the search outside of the family. Right. Uh, but it just comes down to the, the objective. Is it that you want this business to succeed for the long run, regardless of who takes over? Or is this a business that you want to remain in the family? So we get into, we, under, we understand all of those um, goals when we really um, engage with the family or the business initially. Right. Okay. And uh, and the last question I wanted to ask you, Rochelle, is just about your, I suppose, um, parallel business continuity strength, which was founded during the pandemic and is specifically uh, focused on overcoming these unforeseen hurdles that we've kind of touched on throughout this episode. Um, and as much as a global pandemic, as we've said, is something that people would have no real idea to prepare for a few years ago. Um, are there some of some fundamental things that you think businesses could do to prepare for something of that scale? You know, something that is almost um, completely unprecedented, unforeseen. Are there any sort of things that people should be laying the groundwork for now so that five years from now, say there's another pandemic or something of equal magnitude, um, they'll be at least, if not completely, you know, protected, more ready for that sort of situation? Absolutely, Karen. And, you know, for, for us, what we say is that the work that we do goes hand in hand. Um, we do long-term planning, which is the business transition planning. But one of the first things that we do when we step foot um, into a business op business's operations is we understand, well, are you protected in the event that something unplanned happens? Yeah. Because it makes no sense for us to create the succession, this 10-year succession plan, if in five years or, or six years something unexpected happens that really decimates everything and, and really moves the business back to square one. So they go hand in hand for us. We say protect the business, protect the business so that it can grow, protect your growth. And this is um, this business continuity advisory is um, a, 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 was a smaller part of what we did, but because of the pandemic, we recognized that smaller businesses were disproportionately affected because they had no plans in place. Right. So what we ended up doing is we said, okay, what we'll do is we'll ensure that our business continuity advisory is accessible to smaller businesses. And this is why we ended up founding Continuity Strength. So small businesses use Continuity Strength to create their own professional contingency plans online so that they can respond confidently to and recover quickly from unplanned events. Um, as I mentioned, the premise behind this 
is well known by major institutions like banks and major corporations that are required by law in many cases, to have contingency plans in place. These contingency plans are called business continuity plans. And it's an unknown secret of many successful businesses that stand the test of time. That secret is that it's not only about growing the business, but protecting the business's growth from adverse impacts. You see, when an unexpected event occurs, unprepared businesses end up diverting resources away from growing the business and into responding to the event. But what we found is that prepared businesses spend much less time and effort on responding. So with Continuity Strength online plans, we bring that level of corporate protection to smaller businesses so that they can complete their own customized plans and many do it in under an hour. Um, you know, we were saying that the pandemic indeed is a once-in-a-lifetime situation. But like all disruptions, the 5Ds that we mentioned earlier, right now we're hearing in the news of all of the weather incidents. We're hearing about cyber attacks, right? All of these are dominating the news headlines. But you find that many of them share a lot of the same characteristics that the pandemic had. And that is the unpredictability in timing and the devastating impact on the business. So in preparing for disruptions, the best thing that a business can have is a contingency plan that provides easily accessible information. And this is what continuity strength and business continuity plans provide all in one place. They know whom to contact, where and how to access key business documents, um, the key business tasks and workarounds, and how to pay and keep getting paid. Um, and this is available to, to business owners. So it's that peace of mind in knowing that, you know what, whatever hits, I at least have a contingency plan for how to keep this business running. And is there much crossover between the kind of clients you get for succession strength versus continuity strength? Presumably they'd kind of want to build a sort of 360 defense wall almost, or are they different sort of clientele for those services? Yes, in many cases, they are very similar clientele. Um, but what we found is that based on the past year and a half or so, we have lots of smaller businesses that may not have been thinking long term about their survival, sure. who are just opting to say, you know what, let me just protect what I have right now. And I'll think about the future of the business, the long term future in terms of a successor. I'll think about that later, which is absolutely fine. They can just pop online, create their online plans and have that peace of mind. And then if and when they do make that decision to take that next step for their business, then of course, this is a discussion that we can have later on down the line. But it really is protecting what they have now from any unexpected events. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us today, Rochelle. It's been really interesting speaking with you. Absolutely, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I think our entire conversation with Rochelle can be summarised in one key point that she mentioned, and that's that preparedness is everything. Businesses of every size need to be ready for when the unexpected happens, and both succession planning and the services offered by Continuity Strength will no doubt prove invaluable for short and long-term growth. It was also very interesting to talk with Rochelle about the commitment that a potential successor or business leader may have in the future. It's all well and good building an expert leadership team as part of your franchise business, for example, but some key players then choosing to leave after a year or two can put you back at square one and a fair few steps behind the competition. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think makes for an excellent leader and how do you plan for your business's long-term growth? 
make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.